welcome. It is us. It is Anna. And Alyssa. And we are Northern Frights. <laughs> I don't know what exact accent I'm going Northern for here. Frights. Ooh, Northern Frights. Northern Frights. Well, like announcer? Ooh. Something yeah. like that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, hey gang. It is us. It is Northern Frights. We are here to bring you more tales of the weirdy beardy of the Midwestery. <laughs> but we have a lot to cover today. It's a packed episode. Yeah. Which is a, exciting. We have a lot to share with you today, so to this. Let's get to it. And if we have time at the end, we'll share yeah. any updates or mm-hmm. personal stories or not, depending on where we're at. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Paper rock scissors? Alright, hold on. Yep. Put my, put my mask down. One, two, three. I crush you. Again. <laughs> All right. I think I purposefully chose a different one because I think I do scissors yeah. all the time. But yeah. I did paper or rock. Yeah. All right. You know what? I do have to say this though. Yes. This is the first time that we actually done paper rock scissors where we didn't do the same thing the first time around. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look at us. Look at that. We're evolving. We're really just getting to it today. Mm-hmm. All right. So reason we're so packed today is I read or finished. I mean, mm. um, limb from limb by George Hunter. And um, I tried to pare down the um, lots of information from the book and make it a story that um, would make sense to you guys as a listener. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to tell... Oh, I'm sorry. If you just heard that, was my neck. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was loud. I'm going to um, tell the story of um, Tara Grant. What's her name? Tara Grant. Okay. And Stephen Grant... And that's what my story is about today. Okay. So we're going to go through it and it. hope you enjoy it. Or mm. I hope you really enjoy learning about these people. Murder. Murder. Yeah, that's a little. A little that's a, that is the kind of hard part about being like a true crime paranormal podcast. Because you're yeah. like, I hope you really enjoy what we're going to talk about today. It's about people dying. Dying, yeah. Murder in like horrible ways. A line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Still interesting, but yeah. I understand the other well, perspective we, well, too. We get it as like fans. Yeah, if you're a fan, you understand what that yeah. feeling is for yeah. sure. All right, here, ready? Yeah. All right. Imagine a typical suburban family unit out of southeast Michigan: mother, father, and two kids. That's the life that Tara and Stephen Grant lived. Stephen was a stay-at-home parent and a part-time worker, while Tara was an executive with Washington Group International which is a construction and engineering company with branches throughout the world. Um, Tara worked in the the company's Puerto Rico office Mm. during the week and then commuted home for the weekend. Wow, okay. Yeah. So our story starts out with Stephen going to the police station wanting to report a missing person. Mm. Upon meeting Stephen, the veteran cop, cop who was taking the report, took notice of a gash on Stephen's nose. Mm. The cop noted that Stephen, quote, kept looking at his notebook like he was trying to keep his story straight. Mm. Stephen's account uh, went something like this. Stephen said that he worked around the house most of the time and took care of the couple's two children, six-year-old Lindsay and four-year-old Ian, although he did have help from a 19-year-old live-in German au pair. Is that how you say that? Au pair. On the night of February 9th, Tara was flying home from work, and her and Stephen talked several times on the phone that day. St- 
Stephen freely admitted that he was irked by his wife's long absences mm -hmm. and thought that, er, and that the two had argued about it on Friday. Mm. Upon arriving home, Stephen and Tara continued to argue, and Tara said that she was going to leave early on Sunday instead of Monday, mm. and that Tara um, made a call from her cell phone before abruptly leaving the house and riding away in a black sedan. Mm. Stephen also says that he called Tara several times over the weekend, and on February 14, he decided to come into the police uh, station and report Tara missing. Mm. The cop taking the report said, quote, Basically, I think he wanted to come in here and hit a home run with me, <laughs> getting the missing report down on paper and exclude himself as a suspect. Mm. He seemed to feel real good about the interview, mm. unquote. Huh. So just some observations there. Yeah. After detectives are assigned to the missing person's case, the police proceeded to follow up on Stephen's story, which included calling Tara's boss and seeing what Tara's work schedule was and if it matched up with Stephen's claim mm -hmm. that Stephen was going to, I mean, sorry, that Tara was going to leave a day early on Sunday. Okay. Calls went also, also went out to Tara's family and police called Tara's sister, Alicia. Alicia reported that Stephen had called her the previous day, so that would have been the 13th. Mm -hmm to tell her that Tara was missing. He had left a voicemail on her phone that said, quote, can you call me when you have a minute? It's no big deal. It's Unquote. fine. It's a BD. <laughs> Alicia called Stephen back and Alicia reported that Stephen sounded very calm given the circumstances mm -hmm. and told Alicia, quote, I wouldn't be surprised if she was shacked up in a motel with some guy somewhere. Unquote. Interesting. Interesting. Which surprised Alicia because Tara loved her family and especially her children. Mm. Police also tapped into records of Tara's corporate um, email, her corporate cell phone, and I believe she also had an American Express okay. uh, through the company, and there was no activity on it after mm -hmm. February 9th. Mm -hmm. Just as police were going to like call or contact Stephen to do a follow-up interview, mm -hmm. Um, at the household, Stephen called that day to get an update on the case, and so they set up a time to go to the Grant House with mm -hmm. Stephen agreeing. Okay. During this follow-up, Stephen was open to showing the detectives their bank accounts, and while he was doing so, like on the computer, mm -hmm. detectives noted that Stephen had a scratch on his nose, which Stephen explained as an on-the-job injury, because um, you know he has that part-time job. Yep. He said a piece of metal shaving had lodged under his safety glasses, mm -hmm. which he, or when he was doing some work at his dad's shop. Nicole which, question. Yeah. Is this in addition to the gash on his nose? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, in addition to the scratch that they noticed that day, mm -hmm. Stephen also showed the detectives a scratch on his hand and a bruise on his leg and agreed when the detectives asked if it would be okay to send a evidence technician to take pictures of the injuries. Mm -hmm. Stephen was also jumping from one subject to another during that visit. Mm -hmm. Once the detectives left and, quote, we were out of hearing range, we looked at each other and go, he killed her. <laughs> we just don't know how he did it. Or where she's at yet, but he killed her. Okay. Now we just have to figure out what he did to her. Yep. Unquote. Yep. They're like, he for sure did it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this isn't good. <laughs> so weird. 
So then um, entering the scene is Sheriff Hackle. So he's sort of overseeing everything with this case. Okay. Um, the department has a debriefing, and based on the information presented thus far, mm -hmm. it allowed detectives to do a um, record search. But, uh, I'm sorry, this is sort of confusing. But um, in addition to the record search, they sort of go through why they're thinking Stephen might have, but mm -hmm. of course keeping their options open. Sure. Um, some evidence, or at this point, Stephen yeah. waited five days to report Tara missing. Mm -hmm. He showed signs of injury. Mm -hmm. Tara didn't have a history of d drug abuse or a history of leaving in the past. Mm -hmm. She had a great work history. And I think that's the end of that part. Okay. Um, two days after Stephen reported his wife missing, the sheriff's office received a fax that stated, and I think this is a quote here is, quote, based on the tone of your February 14, 2007 interrogate, interrogation of Mr. Grant at his home, mm -hmm. it is my humble opinion that it is necessary for me to provide a buffer between your department and Mr. Grant. Just as Mr. Grant answered all of your questions last night, he will continue to answer all of your questions in the future. I believe it is uh, necessary, however, so that there are no misunderstandings that all of your future questions be submitted in writing, which will, in turn, be immediately answered in writing." Unquote. Mm. This fax came from Stephen's attorney, David Green. Mm -hmm. Sorry, say it. Okay. This fax confused detectives mm -hmm. and also added to their suspicion that Stephen had something to do with the disappearance. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> the same day that the fax was received, um, Stephen was out driving, you know, you have errands, whatever. Mm -hmm. He fails to signal his turn, and after being pulled over, Stephen says, quote, I know why you're turn um, pulling me over. It's because of my wife, unquote. <laughs> so that's weird. Yep. But after running the usual checks that happen when you get pulled over, it was revealed that Stephen had a suspended license. I think he actually had two. I don't know Ooh, how that works. Two fun. suspended licenses, okay. and that required them to arrest him. Yes. So he gets arrested, and after he was released, um, it was noted that Stephen struck a macho pose when he discussed his February 15 police encounter with Detroit, Detroit News. Quote, I get why they stopped me. They thought I had, um, I'm sorry, they thought I was going to be a little girl and go down there and cry and confess all my sins. But there are no sins. I'm a big boy and I can take care of myself. I hate him already. <laughs> I, know. I know, right? Yeah. So I'm going to pause here really quick, just talk about the au pair. Okay. Um, her name's Verena, B-E-R-E-N-A, mm -hmm. Verena. Mm -hmm. And she had been placed in the Grant home in August of 2007, so not too long before this incident occurred. Okay. Um, by au pair in America. She had been giving, given a temporary assignment for a few weeks, and then she worked full-time at the Grants. Verena was the Grants' seventh nanny in five years. Okay. Um, I think police or someone had interviewed the nannies who had worked there previously, mm -hmm. and they reported that they were frightened in the Grant home, mm. fearful of everything from someone snooping through their belongings to, quote, tirades from the master of the house. You. Okay. So just a little FYI on yeah. that. So we're unpaused. At this point, Stephen was arrested, and he's saying, I'm a big boy. 
I'm a big boy, guys. <laughs> so that's where we were. Okay. Now, Sheriff Hackle reflected in the short period um, after Tara was reported missing that Stephen was keeping detectives at a distance. He says, quote, generally when we work with, when, I'm sorry, let me start over. Yeah. Generally, we work in constant communication with family members. We try to embrace them, but they, um, Stephen would never get under our arm. Meaning, like, to, like to work together. Come on! <laughs> Unquote. Uh, Sheriff Hackle decides to do a search of a popular park in the area that Tara, Tara frequented. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, Stephen didn't go to the search. And I think, mm-hmm. based on the details in the book, it sounded like the um, lawyer didn't think he should. I'm not sure okay. of all the specifics. Sure. Anyways, he didn't end up going. Um... But instead, during that time, he brought down two computers that were in the house, uh, the Grant household, mm-hmm. um, which I think was requested of him to do. Okay. Um, he, at that time of bringing in these laptops, tops, he declined to talk to police, mm. but immediately after, he made sure to talk to the cameras outside the police station, as you do. Interesting, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get back to that in a second, but um, after reviewing the computers, IT techs found there was some correspondence with a former girlfriend, Dina Hardy. Um, Let's see here, quote, the emails made it obvious he thought his wife was cheating on him, which was very interesting to us. If there was foul play, now we had a possible motive, Mm -hmm. unquote. So this information about the email exchanges had leaked to the public, and the day that an email, the email story came out in the news, mm-hmm. in Detroit news, um, Stephen Grant granted numerous interviews. Oh. Of course. Sure. In one of those interviews, Stephen says, quote, I hope Tara walks through the door. He was, at this point, Shh. sobbing dramatically. Oh, now he's not a big boy. His eyes widening with every word, according to reports. Mm -hmm. And I'll continue. God, please, call. Please, Mm -hmm. call anyone. Unquote. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. During Stephen's conversations with reporters, he seemed obsessed with trying to gauge his public image. Quote, asking, what are people saying about the case? Unquote. Mm -hmm. Was a question that he often asked. And he was also quoted as saying, quote, I thought Scott Peterson was guilty, too, so I get why everyone is looking at me as the suspect, unquote. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Sheriff Hackle's been giving daily updates to reporters, and officially the police do not have Stephen listed as an official suspect at this point. Interesting. He goes, uh, Stephen Hackle says, I'm sorry, Sheriff Hackle says, quote, we have to have an indication that Mr. Grant caused harm. But we do not have any of that information like that at this okay. point. Yeah, understandable. Um, makes sense. Um, Stephen's sister, you remember that search? Yeah. She ended up going down to the park for the search. and uh, Apparently she had asked some questions and stayed around for a little bit mm-hmm. um, on the site where police hang out. She wasn't part of the search. Okay. Just an FYI. Unfortunately, the search only discovered a, a deer carcass, which at first mm-hmm. they weren't sure what that was um eventually a tip lines opened and of course they get reports that vary from possible scenarios Mm -hmm. to outlandish things and of course as you know everything has to be looked into yep and nothing came out from the tip line so finally we're two weeks after the initial person's 
report had been reported. <laughs> and reports, news articles, news reports are all talking about the case. So, I mean, it's everywhere in Michigan. Okay. People are talking about it. And a local woman decided to go on a walk in that park. Mm -hmm. um, it was the first nice day in a while. So she's like, let me get out, go walking. Mm -hmm. So as she's walking through the park, she notices a Ziploc bag. Uh -oh. Just off of, off of the path. Um, she said it appeared to have blood in it, which was pooling at the bottom. Ew, okay. The bag also included some other plastic bags, rubber, rubber gloves, and metal shavings. Mm. She took the bag to police, which of course was sent off for analysis. Mm -hmm. The blood was tested and found to be human blood. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now we're in March, so we're approximately three weeks or so after. Okay. Detectives get a search warrant for the Grant home. Mm -hmm. And... Um, in addition to that, Stephen's father's tool and dye shop, which is his part-time job, mm -hmm. where Stephen worked. That same day, Stephen gave a 100-minute interview in which he spoke, with, um, spoke of his wife in past tense mm. and in disparaging ways. Mm. Quote, that's a bad mother. People think she was the perfect mother. I was a better mom than Tara was. There's no other way to put it. I was the mom in the house. Mm. She was go all, um, I'm sorry, she was gone all the time, unquote. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. At about 5 p.m. that day, with that um, search warrant, detectives and evidence experts descended on the Grant's house. They are armed with UV lights and luminol to mm. detect the presence of blood. After arriving to the house, Stephen put his lawyer on a phone call <laughs> with detectives. <laughs> And after confirming they didn't have a, an arrest warrant, Stephen leashed up their family dog and headed down the street, presumably on a walk. Okay. Okay. As evidence experts are working through the house, detectives ended up just staying in the garage but on site. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the case. Kozlowski, I'm probably saying that slightly wrong, Kozlowski maybe? Sure. One of the detectives assigned on the case said, quote, as I was standing there, my eye went to this green container. Something about it seemed out of place. Uh-oh. The container, which stood along the wall next to a bucket of toys, was marked boy's clothes. Mm -hmm. I walked over and tried to open the top, but it was hard to get open. When I finally got the top open, there was a black garbage bag inside. I touched it. It was soft. Mm -hmm. It gave to my pressure. Mm -hmm. I almost closed the bag and dismissed it as a bag of salt or something. But it decided to tear open the bag, unquote. Uh -huh. When he ripped a hole in the plastic bag, he caught a glimpse of flesh and blood. Uh-oh. His initial <laughs> fleeting thought was, it's a deer carcass. As one does, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then his gaze settled on a swatch of black uh, fabric, which was a bra. Uh-oh. The detectives gathered around the bane as Plazowski peeled away the garbage bag to reveal a female torso oh. dismembered. Oh. Um, a sergeant was asked to remove the bin from the Grant home yeah. and deliver it to a medical examiner. Yeah. And let's see here. In the exam and after peeling away four plastic garbage bags and one clear bag, the medical examiner inventory the clothing left on the bag. So while that exam is going on, police are dispatched to find Stephen, mm -hmm. who had walked away with yeah. his dog earlier. Suspecting that Stephen was on the run, a bolo, 
or be on the lookout, was issued for Stephen, which included information on a vehicle he was driving. I know that's confusing, but they eventually figure out that he is, um, he had borrowed a neighbor or friend's truck who lives oh, in the area. sure, okay. And what's, what was amazing is this co-worker, or not co-worker, friend or whoever this neighbor guy is, the truck is, like, bright yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of chuckled at that because it's like yeah. I need a perfect getaway car. What do you have? Oh, the bright the yellow giant sunshine truck. Truck. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so it's his only option. He he borrows it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, during this time, a second search is set up of that park, mm-hmm. and they found many many things. Oh my god. Okay. I'm sorry. Put on your wall so you don't get grossed out here. Okay. We find oh boy. Tara's head. Ugh. A thigh. Oh. A right hand. Femur. Huh. Left hand. Foot. And lower leg. Wow. Okay. Sheriff Hackle started working on murder charges. Yes. And Stephen was obviously the number one suspect. Mm-hmm. So after he had mm-hmm. borrowed that nice yellow, bo- mm-hmm. <laughs> yellow truck, mm-hmm. Stephen, um, dropped off his dog at his sister's house and I don't believe she was at home at the time because I think she just he just dropped off the puppy hmm. dog whatever which I'm glad he at least did that yeah, right yep um and he must have been scavenging through the house really quickly to find some stuff and for whatever reason he takes a bottle of bike in too okay he's I shortened this part of the book gave lots of details but mm-hmm. he um on his journey made several stops like along the highway while he was driving um while he was trying to figure out where to go Uh um eventually he settles on going to northern michigan's wilderness state park and along his drive and on those stops he ends up purchasing alcohol i think like jack daniels or something Mm -hmm. um a toy gun a permanent marker which he wanted to color the tip that's usually orange, you know, oh, on a sure. toy gun. Yep. Color it black, and it was presumed, perhaps, so that he could die by suicide by cop. Ah, you know, sure. Sort of show the gun thing. Yep. I believe he also purchased paper and a pen. Um, in this, in the book, it sounded like he was going to write uh, letters to his children. Mm-hmm. Um, but being that he had consumed at one point a lot of alcohol in that Vicodin. Yeah. And I think he even took, um, what is it? Like maybe like a Benadryl or something that would bring you down tired, okay. whatever that would be like sure. an allergy medicine. Sure. I don't remember. Um, he had invest ingested all of that. It was difficult to write letters to his children at, yeah. at that point. Yep. So while on the run, Stephen had also called his sister Kelly and told her where he was. So that wilderness state park. Mm-hmm. Believing he was going to kill himself, Kelly relayed the information to Klazowski. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen knew that general area of the state park and thought he could make it to these cabins that he knew to be empty this time of year. Oh, okay. Um, and I believe he had left the borrowed yellow bright truck, like, <laughs> just sitting on a, in a, and, oh gosh, it was like a back road or something sure. like that. And he went out into the woods. <clears throat> What's not great is, of course, he was not wearing the best clothes or, like, boots or anything mm-hmm. for walking in the wilderness in winter. Mm, not only that, it's cold, of course. Yep. It, he's under the influence. 
there's 20 to 25 mile per hour winds that came off the lake. Oh, wow. You okay. know, so there's drifts. Yep. It's bad weather it's for great. someone on the run under the influence. Sure. Um, as they got the call from Kelly, obviously law enforcement descended upon the area in search of Stephen and eventually get, uh, find a trail that looks like the path that Stephen could have been taking. Mm -hmm. They noted that his route didn't make any sense and it sort of crisscrossed over itself. Mm -hmm. So they thought maybe he was already um, A, under the influence, yeah. but the cold was having effects on him. Sure. They also saw like indentations in the snow where they thought maybe he had sat to rest <laughs> and then sure. got up and continued okay. on. Um, eventually, Stephen's located. He's delirious. He's not wearing his coat any longer, mm -hmm. and he can't support himself standing up. Mm -hmm. He's uh, brought out of the area via like a helicopter and that basket thing, yep. and brought directly to the hospital for treatment of hypothermia and frostbite. Okay. During his treatment there, he was strapped to the bed by leather restraints mm -hmm. on his wrist and ankles. Interestingly, during this what's it called is it just on the run yeah well he's yeah. while he's yeah. on the run yep um steven's lawyer david green mm -hmm. uh spoke to reporters outside of his office announcing over the airwaves that he was dropping stephen grant as his, his client <laughs> okay. and he, he did it this way according to the guy because he wasn't able to get a hold of stephen Oh. Or talk to him. So he's like, sure, he's he, like he, knew, he knew he used, Stephen, used the reporters to say stuff. Uh -huh. And so he might be listening and hear it. Sure. Whatever. Okay. So while he's in the hospital, Stephen does confess. Oh. oh. And get ready. Buckle in. Get Seat ready. Seatbelt's ready. Put that wall up again, perhaps. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so here's what he says actually happened February 9th. Oh. He goes into detail. Tara and Stephen, as we know, talked several times over the course of February 9th mm -hmm. um, on Tara's commute home. Tara arrives home and the couple continues talking and Sarah, I'm sorry, Tara unpacks her bags. Stephen's ready for bed, which is to mean he's naked. He sleeps naked, apparently. <laughs> Tara comes into the bedroom and told Stephen she was thinking about leaving on Sunday morning. And Stephen did not like that and they argued back and forth. Stephen accuses Tara of spending too much time with her boss and not enough with the family and asks her why. Tara responds, according to Stephen, saying, fuck off, <laughs> and turns around. Stephen grabs Tara's wrist, wrist and eventually it leads to Tara slapping Stephen, which results in Stephen hitting Tara. She falls back and hits her head. Tara says, quote, According to Steven, that's it. I'm going to take the kids. You're going to be fucking homeless, you piece of shit. Oh, no. Good for her in that moment. Unquote. <laughs> ah, to which Steven responds by choking her. Oh. Tara scratches, scratches Steven's hand, and Steven panics knowing that he's going to prison, according to him. He said, quote, I couldn't stop then. I knew I was going to prison. I panicked. Unquote. It's revealed in the interview that while choking Tara... He couldn't look at her face while doing so, so he put some type of clothing item over her face. Once she stopped moving, Stephen went downstairs and started crying. He sent uh, Verena, the au pair, a text message not to come home, because on Friday she has you know, her own time to go do what she wants. So he says, hey, don't come home. He goes back upstairs and confirms that Tara's dead. 
This is wild. He puts a belt around her neck and drags her down the stairs and out into the garage. Mm. And puts her in the back of their truck. I think it was a Jeep, so it was probably just a pop-up. Sure. Um, a hatch or thing, you know, like it pops up. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. It's not like a truck bed, is my point. Okay. Like the SUV thing that opened. Uh-huh. Um, while he was leaving after putting her in the truck and he's going from the garage into the house, he hears the garage door open and <sighs> as we know, he's naked. Uh-huh. He runs upstairs to put his pajama pants on. <laughs> and we know from this point forward that he starts covering up the crime. Uh-huh. He tells Verena that Tara left him and on Saturday, the next day, Stephen tries to act him. As if nothing's wrong except for that his wife left him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that is also the day that Verena slept in his room. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, he brings Tara's body, which was in the back of the truck, mm-hmm. to his father's shop after confirming that his father was not going to be into work that day. He puts a tarp down on the floor, and after trying a few different, like, saws, he finally finds one that works enough, and Ugh. in the I think in the shop, had enough blades to work through because it would destroy the blade saw blade. Sure. Um, he uses the saw to cut up Tara's body into smaller pieces. He uses a band saw to destroy Tara's laptop. I think it's her work one. Huh. Um, he put the laptop, Tara's purse, and other items in boxes, and then. Eventually, he says he threw all of those personal items, like, away in different garbages throughout the area. Mm-hmm. Dispersed those. He still has her body. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he kept drinking alcohol this whole time mm-hmm. um, to help with the task <laughs> of dismembering her body and threw up several times. Mm-hmm. He puts Tara's now dismembered body in a rubber-made container mm-hmm. and collected all of the other possibly incriminating evidence and cleaned up the workshop. Um, in that container, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Monday, we're at Monday, Stephen leaves very early in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and he brought a sled with him, and the container with Tara's body, and he goes down to that park where they did search one. Yep. Um, yes, um, he, at this point, buries several of her body parts throughout the park, mm-hmm. Um, remember the first search? Mm-hmm. They go to that park and they didn't find anything? Yeah. Well, the night before, Stephen went and found <gasps> all her body parts. Yeah. Grabbed them, t- puts them in the container again, and then hides her body in her da- his dad's workshop. Ugh. So that's why they didn't find anything. Sure. After the first search, he takes that container, goes back to the park, and, puts them back and disperses her body parts again. Ick. Um, in the details of his confession, he also talks about his trip to the wilderness park all the way up until the day he's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So it's from the 9th to when he's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, he also disclosed his relationship with Verena. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Verena believed that Tara was gone for good because of that tale that mm-hmm. Stephen had told. That he wove. That, yeah, that he wove. The two did become closer, which, uh, okay, man. Um, Verena and Steven slept in the same bed, but according to both of them, they never had intercourse, but apparently he performed oral on her. 
skipping over lots and lots of details. Um, Stephen recuperates from the night he was in the woods. He's charged with Tara's murder. Alicia, Tara's sister, files a petition to have Stephen's parental rights terminated permanently. Okay. Kelly, Stephen's sister, files a petition to adopt the children. Oh. And there's a civil suit filed as well, and it was determined that Tara's estate would be awarded $50 million in a wrongful death lawsuit mm. um, filed by Alicia, Tara's mm. sister, which Alicia said was to be sure that Stephen couldn't benefit from this. Sure. Right? Books, yep. movies, yep. etc. Okay. Stephen is eventually found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 50 to 80 years in prison Good. and wouldn't be eligible for parole until 2058. Wow. He was also ordered to pay 41000 um, and some change in court fees. Mm. And it was finally, or eventually decided that Stephen's children, Lindsay and Ian, will now live with Alicia, okay. Tara's sister, into Ohio. Okay. So there's lots of details in there. Yeah. Not done yet. Oh boy, oh boy. This is already a sad tale, right? Oh no, okay. There's more twists that came out. Mm. Um, but the most heartbreaking one actually happened after Stephen was found guilty, and that was that Lindsay and Ian, the children, yeah. had witnessed the fight between their parents. <gasps> Lindsay described that they watched their father kill their mother. <gasps> Eric, who's Alicia's husband. So we have mm -hmm. Tara, Alicia's the sister, and husband Eric is husband. Eric. Okay. Um, says, quote, it was absolutely brutal to listen to Lindsay describe that night, watching her dad scream directly into her mother's ear to, quote, quit looking at me, Ugh. unquote. Eric also revealed that Lindsay checked her mother's still warm eyes to see if she was dead or alive after Stephen had left the room oh. and saw her dad move her mom down to the garage. I'm surprised that, like, the police didn't talk to the kids, or did they? I don't, I don't recall if they did it. I don't think it was ever said. Okay. And if it was, it wasn't too, too much. Okay. So that's terrible. That's yeah. already, we already know this act affected many people. Yeah. There's another tragedy, though. Oh, God. Two days before Father's Day in 2008, a man phoned St. Clair County Sheriff's Office at 1.40 p.m. to report a suicide. <gasps> the dispatcher asked who the suicide, or whose suicide he was reporting, yeah. and the caller said it was his own. The man dictated an address and hung up. William Grant was sprawled on concrete floor, a rifle oh. lay nearby. This man was Stephen's father. Oh. Oh. Isn't this terrible? Yeah. Now I'm full of emotions and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go! Are you gonna cry? Almost. Okay, <laughs> but well, I won't. <laughs> so we're, we're done now with your. We're done. That's it. Oh. oh, but is that, it so interesting? Some of yeah. his interviews are on the YouTubes. Okay. So if you type Stephen Grant interview, you might be able to find one. Mm -hmm. There's also several like sort of documentary, but like um, I would say maybe low budget, not like sure. official or old TV stuff that you can look up. Okay. And I found one where they, I think they had referenced it. I did in my story where he was like all sad and like his eyes were both joining mm -hmm. out with every word or whatever mm -hmm. i think that one is on youtube i think okay. i've watched it and i think actually the video was what's it called um behave not behavior um where they analyze your movements when you're talking sure yeah whatever that's yep, called uh, 
whoever, an expert. Like forensics investigator type person? Was monitoring their body movements and okay. analyzing his words versus his body language. Body language. Okay. okay. <laughs> there we go. go. We got so, it. lots of good stuff on YouTube if you want to. All right. Well, thank you for that very sad tale. Yes. And hopefully I can make you happier. Yes. With please. my tale. I'm ready. So I decided, now I have to po- note this, point this out, mm-hmm. there's a lot of research on this creature. Okay. But because there's so much of it, I pared it down. Sure, yeah, I understand. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a lot, and we don't have like 12 hours to do this, so. Yeah. And I also narrowed it down to region, obviously, since we're in the Midwest. Okay. I am talking about Bigfoot. Yeah! <laughs> you have me. All right. Full attention. All right. Bigfoot, baby. So I'm going to do it by what is it, where is it, <laughs> a little information on how do you call it out, Ooh. and then some, like, personal stories that people have had, not okay. me. Oh. Unfortunately, I have not seen Bigfoot. Fortunately. <laughs> Never maybe, off at your cabin. Maybe huh? someday. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Maybe someday I'll find it. I'll go out there and we'll just start making the calls and all of a sudden just like shut out like, yes? Call me? <laughs> Can I help you? What do you need? Do you like my feet? They're big. The boob. I'm a boob foot. I got some big feet. My name's Daryl. My name's Daryl. Isn't that the commercial? Yeah. <laughs> they call you Bigfoot. My name's Daryl. Oh, what'd you say? My name's Daryl. <laughs> So Bigfoot is an ape-like creature reported to live in the forests of North America. Mm-hmm. He's reporter. I shouldn't say he. They? They. Okay. Are reported to be between six and nine feet tall mm. with ape-like features. They're covered typically in brown, black, dark brown, or dark reddish fur. They're often described as having cone-shaped heads, human-like oh. faces, long arms with palms that face backwards, and stooped. Okay, what's the backwards part? So, like, their arms go like this. Okay, where ours are... Yeah, our palms are out oh, front. Oh, facing. They go backwards. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, supposedly, they have a very pungent odor, <laughs> which is something to know some of the personal stories later, I think. Okay. I can't remember which one they grabbed. Okay. Mostly known for big old feet. <laughs> Footprints are claimed to be between 24 inches long and 8 feet wide. Some foot casts... What? Eight feet wide? Eight in, I'm sorry, eight inches oh, wide. 24 long. 24 inch long and eight inches wide. I'm so sorry. I was like, what's a big, big <laughs> what do you? What's great about it is like 24 inches long and then eight inches wide or eight feet wide. Can you just imagine? It's like a Dutch. It's like, <laughs> it's like a paddle. <laughs> That's wonderful. Okay. All right. So some foot casts have shown that it has claws, mm. making some believe that it like may have come from bears. Okay. So, possibility. Is it true? Who knows? We haven't seen a Bigfoot, really. Mm-hmm. Or have we? Okay. The legend of Bigfoot has its roots in the wild men and yetis from Asia and Native American tribes um, and are mostly considered to, I said, haunt the American Pacific Northwest. But many Midwesterners believe Bigfoot lives here as well. Mm-hmm. It is most notable, or excuse me, its most notable counterpart here in America is Sasquatch. Oh, sure, yep. This is a uh, Sasquatch is a Salish Indian name 
that means woodland wild man. The Ojibwe tribe, who are typically from the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, mm -hmm. have tales of woodland wild man. There are many names for it, but the most popular being, and I apologize because I, I try to look out the pronunciation for this, but Google is like, that's not a real language, um, which is rude. rude. So it's Bagua Janini. Okay. That's how I'm going to assume it's pronounced. If it's wrong, please let me know. Um, from the Duluth News Tribune article, Bigfoot or Big Story, Indians believe, quote, Indians believe that Bigfoot beings were sent by the Creator long ago to guide and care for Indian people and give warnings, particularly of impending sickness. Oh. That was told by Donald Sherman, who is a member of the Leech Lake Ojibwe Band. Okay. Take a sip of water here. That's interesting. So, sent by the Creator to guide mm -hmm. the people. Yeah. Indeed. In the Indian people. Okay. To give warnings, um, especially of impending sickness. Alright. So he said, it's how we learn medicine. Bigfoot teaches us medicine through our medicine man. So, interesting. The story of Bigfoot became most popular in mainstream culture in 1967 when Robert Patterson captured an almost minute-long video showing a bipedal ape-like creature walking by a creek in Northern California, which is the video most people think of when they hear Bigfoot. The guy that's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Walking through along Big the arms swinging. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm just going for a walk. <laughs> so, okay. So that's the information on what is Bigfoot. Okay. There's, of course, much, much more information out there. So mm -hmm. if you're interested in learning more, Wikipedia has a lot of info on it. That's cool. And there's lots of um, forums. Yes. Which I'll get to. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. Where's Bigfoot. Bigfoot has been reported all over the country and into Canada. Mm -hmm. In the Midwest, reports of Bigfoot have been made all over, but particularly in the northern forested regions of Minnesota and Michigan. Okay. So the northeastern part of Minnesota is reported to be, reported to be a hot spot for Bigfoot. The counties um, in Minnesota that have like the most sightings Ooh. are St. Louis County, yep. Itasca County, Beltrami County, and Cass County. Okay. In Wisconsin, the most reported counties are Marinette, Price, Vilas, Vilos, sure. yeah. and Oneida. Um, one particular area in Minnesota, which was featured on the Animal Planet show Expedition Bigfoot, okay. is the Kettle River area. Okay. So it's kind of like that northern, eastern, smack dab All right. area. How do you call out a Bigfoot? <laughs> so enthusiasts say a high whoop call, kind of like a high-pitched whoop followed by knocking on a tree with like a branch or like a stick or something, brings out the Bigfoots. So a high pitch whoop. Whoop. Like a whoop. And then hit a branch on a tree. Tunk. I'm not going to do it now because we don't really want Bigfoot here at work. <laughs> so. Okay. So now we've got some tales of the Bigfoots. Love that. Okay. Whoop. 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 We'll do it at my cabin because that is an area. <laughs> it's a perfect spot to dry it. Yeah. I was like, I love the visual. Uh huh. I always like joke whenever there'd be like something on like the news or something like this person spotted a Bigfoot in the Moose Lake area or wherever it was, and I'd be like, that's just my dad. It's fine. Okay. So from the book Monsters of the Midwest mm -hmm. by Jessica Freeberg. Yeah. The story Bigfoot of Two Harbors from Two Harbors, Minnesota, oh. February 1972. I'm gonna take a sip of water here because this one's long. Okay. Ah, water break. All right. 
It was President's Day weekend, and Carrie Peterson was excited for an extra day off from school. A three-day weekend in northern Minnesota in February meant more time to snowmobile. With the sun shining brightly, it was a perfect winter day for being outside, cruising along the trails that bordered the small town of Two Harbors. With about 24 inches of snow and drifts that were higher in some places thanks to a recent blizzard, there were lots of great places to take the snowmobile. The Peterson family owned two of them. Carrie bypassed the powerful Arctic cat, his father's pride and joy, <laughs> for the smaller Skidoo. Yes. It had more wear and tear, so that was the one the kids most usually used. To make the most of his day off, Carrie decided to go back to a place he'd found by accident a few weeks earlier. The area was several miles north of town and was only accessible by riding on a secluded, secret trail for mm. quite some distance. Okay. Carrie drove the snowmobile up to the trail and got off his sled. The combination of the snow and the flat, unused trail meant the snowmobile could fly effortlessly over the powdered ground. No matter the terrain or trees on either side, he had a straight, smooth ride. He headed north for about six miles until he reached the hidden fields. The land was a flat terrain for as far as he could see. He stopped there to check his fuel, wanting to be sure that he'd still make it back into town. A short while later, he decided it was time to head for home. Finding the trail again, Carrie began to make his way toward Two Harbors. After about 15 minutes, he entered an area with thick woods on both sides but his open path ensured him safe passage between the heavy brush. It also gave him a perfect vantage point to see a large figure emerging from the woods. Okay. Carrie thought it was strange to see anyone out in the middle of nowhere, yet someone or something walked out onto the trail, pushing aside the deep snow like it was nothing. Just whoosh, well it's eight feet wide. <laughs> yeah, it was easy at that point. <laughs> okay. The shape was one color from head to foot, Brown, like a chocolate Labrador retriever. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Descriptive in people now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Curious, Carrie slowed the snowmobile to figure out who or what he was looking at. He wondered if perhaps it was a lost hiker or snowshoer. But why would anyone be out here walking through deep snow? As he got closer, Carrie saw that the face was a lighter brown from the eye around the eyes, nose, and mouth. The figure was really tall, taller than anyone Carrie had ever seen. His part of the trail was too narrow. Carrie couldn't turn around without stopping his snowmobile and dragging it around to face the other direction. He had no choice but to stay on course. <laughs> Speeding closer and closer, he tried to think. He didn't know what the creature was or what it might have be capable of doing. He flipped on the headlight of the snowmobile, hoping to scare it enough that it might think twice about approaching. Yeah. Turning its head to Carrie's, in Carrie's direction, a monster stopped and watched him for a moment. Then it crossed and disappeared into the woods again. <laughs> Biffa was like, yes. Okay, bye. Whatever. You fly. <laughs> you fly. <laughs> Shaking with fear, Carrie sped full throttle all the way back into town, never again to return to that remote area of the mm -hmm. woods. To this day, he can't say for sure what exactly the creature was. He never saw anything like it before or since. But no matter how he tries to rationalize his encounter or explain it away, he keeps coming back to one conclusion. He crossed paths with Bigfoot. I love this story. I, a very Midwest thing to do uh -huh. to be super excited about extra snowmobile extra time. Extra snowmobile time. Love it. You gotta whip around through the woods on your snowmobile. Also, mm -hmm. what's one thing we say here? Safety first. Safety first. He had one. He was alone. Mm -hmm. Should always have. Body system is very Body important. Body system. Yeah. That's 
what I have always learned in snowmobile safety, which I did take. I know. Hey. Carrie. Carrie. Obviously didn't take it. It was probably grandfather did. Grandfather did. Yeah. Well, it was 1972. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even, like, have, like, seatbelts really. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So, this makes sense. Yeah. You said 1972? Yep. Okay. Okay. So, now, more sightings. Now, these come from the website... Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, which is basically the Bigfoot equivalent of MUFON. Oh, good. So Can you say it? Yes. Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. They have information on Bigfoot. They have stories about Bigfoot. They also have expeditions you can join to find Bigfoot. Okay. They're different by, they're like different states. Mm-hmm. You can look it up. Okay. I was like... There's one coming up. This is a possibility after COVID. <laughs> You're like, I might do this. This might be her, her next adventure. That's okay. Awesome. So, okay. I've got, how many stories do I have here? It's just four, so that's good. Okay. okay. All right. November 10th, excuse me, November 9th, 2020. This is very recent. Okay. St. Louis County, Minnesota, around 11.15 a.m. Westbound Highway 169, about an eighth mile or so past Twin Lakes Road sign on left side of road. It was six to six and a half feet tall, walking on two legs, crossing a smaller road, off to left walking parallel to me driving. Okay. It crossed the road ditch to ditch with three steps. It's got big old feet. Oh, big stride. That means it's very tall. Yeah. Yeah. I had three to four seconds of clear view. I saw very clearly the creature's back and right side of body. I saw gray to brown long hair, kind of like coloring the color, kind of like the coloring of a gray squirrel. Okay. The hair was wire-like. It was about two truck lengths from my van. Oh. I laughed and told my husband and my kids, I think I just saw Bigfoot, haha. <laughs> I told my husband what I saw, stating it must be someone in a suit because I saw it clear. As I would, let's try that again. I was trying to burp while I'm talking, so it's like, <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Okay. It must be someone in a suit because I saw it clear as I would look and see a rabbit or wolf crossing the road. He said that would have been some that would have to be somebody really crazy since it's the third day of deer hunting season. Oh yeah, they mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. This is in November? Yeah, November ninth. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, I mean if you're from Minnesota, you don't go out into the woods during deer hunting season. No. You gotta wear a lot of orange if you do. That was presumably a woman who was. I had seen that. Yes. My husband. Yep. And you said this was in St. Louis County? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Next story Cass County. Now, this one's really interesting because it comes from a U.S. Forest Service worker. Oh, cool. Okay. So this is Cass County, Minnesota. August, August 11th, 2011. While working for the U.S. Forest Service, I heard vocalizations in the Chippewa National Forest. These vocalizations are very similar to the Central Michigan vocalizations. I was in a small clearing around noon when I heard a series of yelps followed by whoops. 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 Mm -hmm. These vocalizations were about a mile apart from each other and about a half mile from me. It sounded like they were communicating with each other. The whoops were very guttural. The sounds were low, and the yelps were high-pitched. There are wolves in the area, and I guarantee that they were not wolves. I posted a YouTube video 
Cass Lake, Minnesota Bigfoot vocalization site. Again, it's Cass Lake, Big Minnesota Bigfoot vocalization site. Um, I have been back several times, but only heard wolves. My wife thought she saw something standing in the distance, but we were unable to confirm. Also noticed. I found an area where wolves must have made a kill as there were beer bones scattered about, and you can see that where the wolves lay in the tall grass. So it's, I'm not sure why he decided to put that out. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but apparently there were wolves in the area. Oh, okay. But those sounds he heard were not wolves. Yeah, and being a U.S. Forest Service worker, mm-hmm. he would probably know. He probably know pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, April 10th, Moose Lake, Minnesota. Oh, dang. This was observed by many of people. Mm. An elderly woman noticed what appeared to be a Sasquatch looking, uh, looking at a creature near an abandoned trailer, looking into its windows. So this saw a Sasquatch looking into an abandoned trailer. It then turned away, walked over to the first car. There were four cars that witnessed the incident. Walked directly in front of it, and then walked over to a barbed wire fence, walked over the wet fence, and into the woods. Oh, no problem? Yeah. It was like, and maybe, maybe. But there is, on their website, um, you can hear the recording of the conversation of the woman telling the story about it. Oh, that's neat. Which I'm pretty sure at one point she was just like, the one lady said that she saw a, it was a man, but I, like a, a male, but I didn't really look at its crown jewel, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just like, perfect. Good. Thank yes, you, ma'am. we want that. Uh, okay. When was this Moose Lake one? Uh, April 2010. Oh, 2010. Yeah. Okay. All right. July 2018. Marinette County, Wisconsin. Observed. I was cutting grass in my cabin near a small stream when it kept smelling a rotten odor. I stopped cutting and looked for a source, but never found it. Later in the day, I made a campfire and was sitting outside by the fire when a deer walked in the yard and was promptly chased by my dogs. A short time later, a whooperwill, whooperwool, 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 there we go, started calling and and my one dog kept barking at it. At approximately 10 p.m., suddenly both dogs ran to the edge of the yard, hair up, growling and barking. They were under a yard light. Just out of the light, something called twice. A loud, scree, scree. Oh, <laughs> scree, scree. Okay. I've never heard the sound before. This continued for about two or three minutes every 30 seconds. While this was going on, I put the dogs in the cabin where they kept barking and the calls continued for about two more minutes. Then the calls stopped and the dogs kept still. And then I kept smelling this rotten odor off and on and heard something walking out in the si- up, out of the sight from the trees. Ooh. And the sounds and the smell were gone. I know it was not a deer, a bird, or a deer. And as I have heard one scream one night and have seen one in the daylight, I feel this... Apparently seen Bigfoot before. I feel this was Curious Bigfoot by the cabin. I took pictures of tracks in the yard in 2016 on December 27th in the snow where one walked through the yard. I'm thinking there possibly is a group in this area. And those are some of the stories that were on that website. There is one story that I had found. Um, it was like a group that were like actual like Bigfoot hunters that were looking and they caught audio of some like howls and things and they were creepy as heck sounding. Ooh, like the back of your neck D- yeah. and stand up. Yeah. You're just kind of like, what is that? 
So check out that website okay. if you want to. Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization? Yep. Okay. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, their website is www.bfro.net. Oh, okay. BFRO.net. Yeah. So some of the stories that I got are from the GrandForksHerald.com, DuluthNewsTribune.com, and of course Wikipedia. And then I finished it with a lovely picture of Sasquatch, and it says, Believe in yourself, even when no one else will. <laughs> I love Sasquatch. Thank you, Sas. Aww. And so that is the story in a nutshell of Bigfoot. Loved it. Yeah. Good work for us. I'm trying to remember what you had said that I was going to quote. Oh, when Curious said, Bigfoot. And right away it popped in my mind. Um, Curious George mm-hmm. was a monkey. <gasps> what if he's just a tiny Bigfoot? <laughs> he's just a baby Bigfoot. He's just curious about everything. Just curious all right, we have just a moment, and mm-hmm. I wanted to remind everybody our next book, or my next book I'll be reading, is called The Kiss of the She-Devil by M. Williams Phelps. And additionally, if you have the Oxygen Channel or their app or whatever, you can watch Snapped, which is episode 17, oh, I'm sorry, season 28, episode 17, mm-hmm. called Donna Trapani. Okay. I also have a little story for you. Tell us. I just remembered this morning. Yeah. So you know how you love the story about how I was, like, obsessed with firefighting when mm-hmm. I was a kid? Or, like, forest fires and so stuff? So good. Okay. Well, I remembered another thing. Okay. The thing I was afraid of when I was a kid. Yes. The Easter Bunny. Oh, you were? Well, it sort of makes sense. They're creepy. Have you seen some of those costumes? Well, yeah. There's, like, the costumes. Remember from, like, Nightmare Before Christmas? There was, yeah. like, that Easter bunny that they had in there. I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Monty Python and the Holy Grail with the White Rabbit. I've not seen oh. it. Oh. It scared you? It scared me so much when I was a kid that I would literally hide behind the couch while my family would watch it and be like, turn it <laughs> Cute. And then when I was in college, my aunt thought it was hilarious. She bought me a pair of White Rabbit bunny slippers. And so it was, like, a White Rabbit's like jaws oh yeah and she was just like ah. she's like did you get them <laughs> and like i got in a package at like school yeah and i was like so excited i was like oh my god i got a package and i opened it up and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair have i've seen in different posts easter bunny costumes mm-hmm. and some of them are terrifying They're even terrifying. as an adult yeah and then if you put yourself in little kid shoes mm-hmm. and, oh heck no yeah so I just wanted to share that with you. Another Thank fun you. story from my childhood. Easter Bunny, scared of. Yeah. Easter Bunny. I'm writing it down. Terrifying. Right <laughs> Note to self, scare Anna with Easter Bunny. <laughs> check, check. Check. <laughs> All right, gang. All so right. that was another fun episode with us. That's good. I could just, like, held my hands up like I was some sort of, like, MTV VJ from, Hi. like, back in the day. Like, yo, guys. What up? What Hi. a fun time. Hey. 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 Well, be sure to email us at northernfrights19 at gmail.com. If you have questions or you want to report your own Bigfoot sighting. Ooh, yes, please. Or aliens or whatever you got on your mind. Shoot us an email. Yeah. Um, Follow us on Instagram, and Mm -hmm. that is... northernfrightspod. You can send us a message. Sorry to burp again. I'm so sorry. Um... (laughs) Just send us a message. We try to post whenever we can. And then also don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
or wherever you listen to us mm-hmm. that can do that. Sounds good. Have, you have right. a good week, y'all. We'll catch you soon. Okay, love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.